You're listening to the Kilcullen Diary Podcasts. Stories in sound from a village grown bigger. Hello, I'm Brian Byrne. You're listening to In Those Days, a Kilcullen Diary series on memories of times before today. Mine, my family's and other people's. In this episode, I'm remembering the factory. It was a building at the back of the yard in the family pub, over which was the loft where coffins were stored and the boxing club had space for training and a ring to spar in. At the far end of the loft was the office of the bookkeeper, Miss Dowling, a lonely kind of a location, but she seemed reasonably happy there. Later the position was taken by Miss Young, who had worked similarly in the hardware office for Grandad. She subsequently moved the office to a more observational spot in the street corner room of the family home Moyola, where originally had been the forge around which the house was built. But to us children, the factory was the most curious and interesting place when it was in action. That was sporadic, but when the machinery was running, it became a different environment to being merely a store and a sorting space for crates and bottles. I can't remember when the Leinster Beverage Enterprise was set up by my dad, Jim Byrne Jr., though there's a fragment of home movie in existence showing all of us kids drinking the lemonade product from bottles with straws, and I'm still at the age there of playing with toy guns. Dad was always prepared to take a punt on an idea with any potential to make the family rich. None of them did, but he had a lot of fun trying. In this case, he'd established a mineral water business, making the various drinks from syrups, bottling them and shipping them to pubs all through Kildare, Carlow and West Wicklow. Deliveries were made by a couple of Bedford lorries, which were also used in the summers to ship the family stuff for a month or more to Paulshone and Ardemine near Courtown. I preferred going in the lorry, rather than with the rest of us in the family car. The equipment in the factory was an assembly line in galvanised steel, which took up much of the building's floor space. At one end was a big trough with rotating containers for bottles. When working it was full of steaming hot water into which the bottles would be immersed, coming back up the other side sterilised and draining. From the sterilising bath the bottles were manually put on a travelling metal band to the filling section where they were topped off with whatever was to drink in production. The next section racked them into a space from which they would be crown-capped and afterwards labelled. It was all clank, rattle and hiss, and probably very dangerous for Billy Dowling and Joe Halloran, otherwise the barmen, who operated the whole thing. Certainly health and safety today wouldn't allow little people like ourselves to be anywhere as close to the action as we did get. It was altogether fascinating and when the factory was not in operation, the place had a dead sense to it. I was too young to notice when it was wound down, proving eventually unviable against the major national mineral water manufacturers like Cantrell and Cochrane. But the lorries were eventually disposed of, and some unsold stock was for a long time stored upstairs in the loft. The enterprise hadn't been a financial success, but if there was anything characteristic about my dad, he never stopped trying something new. He also knew when to stop, mostly when bookkeeper Miss Young told him to, in her uncompromising and blunt fashion. 
The factory space has other memories. In those days, most pubs in Ireland bottled their own Guinness, from barrels delivered by the company. Each pub was provided with its own supply of Guinness labels, with the bottled in-house by and then the name of the establishment on them. I remember well Billy Dowling filling the bottles from a multiple siphon setup, which could handle half a dozen bottles at a time. The trick was to keep it going left to right, so that by the time the last empty bottle was placed under its spout, the first was just brimming off. Billy was dazzle in motion while doing it, with so little waste going into the tray underneath that it was of no consequence. He'd lift empty bottles from cases on his left and on the right plonk the filled ones into their tray of two dozen, never taking his eyes from the siphons. After a filling session, they'd be stoppered. Originally with corks, but later with a lever-operated crown cap machine, which was the highest tech of its time. Guinness had to be stored in bottle for a couple of weeks before it could be served, so there was also a system of producing enough to meet demand ahead without having too much in stock. Labels were coded to help each pub rotate the bottles to their best sell-by date. All that had changed by the time I, years later, was running the pub myself. As far as Guinness was concerned, and by then they owned not just their own black product, but most other Irish beers as well, everything was centralised production so that they could control the quality of what was served across the counter. It did make the running of a pub that bit easier, although it involved a much more critical system of sorting bottles and crating empties for return because of the very important credit against the account. Today, none of the various brands of beers and mineral waters served involve the return of empty bottles. They're just dumped into bins for broken glass recycle. It's all probably much more efficient, maybe even much more green if the inputs and costs are factored but it doesn't have any potential to generate the kind of memories I have of the factory. I'm glad I do have them. I'm Brian Byrne, this is Kilcullen Diary, and thanks for listening. (laughs) 